Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Noel. And our compatriot Matt is on vacation. I think we could say he's on vacation. Is that where he is? Yeah, that's I, where he is. I just knew he wasn't here. Yeah, he uh, he and his family have, I don't know how much he wants me to say about this, but they're, they're on a nice holiday vacation. That's lovely. He deserves it. If anyone deserves a vacation, it's, it's our boy Matt. Agreed, agreed. And in the meantime, they call me Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Noel, how, how familiar were you growing up with uh, Native American mythology or oral tradition? 
just Native American tradition in general or? Spe- uh, specifically folklore. Folklore. Or the, the legends of gods and monsters. You know, I, I think I probably grew up with more of a grasp of like Greek mythology mm-hmm. uh, than the Native American mythology for sure. I remember, you know, reading stories about like Hiawatha, for example. That was a real, real historical figure. Right. The founder of the Iro- Iroquois Confederacy or a co-founder rather. That's right. It's, it's interesting because a Often, depending on where you are in the world or where you are in the U.S., you will not learn an extensive amount of info about Native American folkloric or spiritual or mythological traditions. But the truth of the matter is that thousands of years before the first Europeans ever reached the continents that would become known as North and South America, Native civilizations rose and fell, creating rich traditions of architecture, agriculture, and of course, cultural beliefs. While each of these spiritual or historical traditions was unique, their stories shared many of the same traits that other cultures shared. You know, the lands were filled with gods or monsters and spirits, both good and evil. Animals often represented some certain moral compass or, you know, perspective on life. And there were legendary heroes. There were sacred days. There were, of course, origin stories of the people creating the traditions and their enemies and more. And there were also stories of other tribes or communities or civilizations. Like one thing that's strange is It doesn't happen all the time, but in many ancient cultures, the word that the people use to describe themselves translates directly to just the people or the real people or Mm -hmm. the true people. Yeah. And everyone else is somehow – Othered. Yes, exactly, othered. And in a lot of cases, these stories that concern other tribes or communities might be stories explaining the animosity between a neighboring tribe or how they got – a weird name like the fish eater people or something. Or there might be stories that feature a single member of a distant tribe, a stranger coming to town. But in some other cases, more cases than you might think, there were stories of intelligent beings that interacted with us that were not gods, but were not quite human. And today's episode is about one of these groups, the um, – how best to say this? The allegedly legendary Siteka. Oh, I like that. Good alliteration, Ben. Oh, uh, thanks, Noel. Thanks, Noel. So, Siteka. Siteka. So the story of the Siteka, they have several other names, comes from allegedly the oral history of the northern Paiute people. They're a Numic tribe that traditionally uh, – that happened to live in what we would now call Western California, Western Nevada, and Southeast Oregon. Yeah, that's right. They lived in um, lands centered on a lake or in wetlands, uh, and they existed and roved in bands who would team up and and have these communal hunts. And members would move freely between these bands of hunters, and they would share this super rich and fascinating oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And in this tradition, according to the story, the Paiute told tales of a nearby ancient antagonistic tribe known as the Siteka, the Saiduka, or the Sai. And according to these legends, the Siteka were a tribe of cannibalistic giants. It's weird because the name Siteka doesn't mean anything, or it doesn't signify anything about gigantism, uh, nor does it signify anything about consuming human flesh. Instead, the phrase literally means 
tule eaters, T-U-L-E, in the language of the Paiute. And tule is a fibrous water plant. We'll explain how this comes into play later. But what's the, uh, what's the gist of this legend? How do they show up in this story? Well, I'll tell you, Ben, the gist of this legend is as follows. After being terrorized by these terrifying, cannibalistic, 10-foot-tall, red-headed giants, the Paiute had enough, and they went to war. And this battle was incredibly long and incredibly bloody. But eventually, by pitching in and throwing their lot in together, the Paiute prevailed. The Sitekan attempted to make a getaway, very cleverly, um, from the Paiute by living on rafts. That seems a little bit uh, misinformed. They couldn't just, they couldn't swim. Um, but this was also related to a legend that had, that they had crossed the ocean to the Americas on these rafts as well, before ending up in the desert area of western Nevada. Eventually, a coalition of tribes, possibly with communities other than the Peyote bands joining in, trapped the remaining Siteka in a nearby cave. And when these giants refused to come outside, the Paiute piled brush before the cave mouth and set it on fire. The entire population of Siteka ended up dying inside. Uh, you'll hear people say that some of them made a run for it and ran through the fire only to be speared or shot with arrows or, or murdered by the people waiting outside. And this is pretty gruesome stuff, right? I mean, according to the story, the tribes didn't just seal off the cave and bury these folks alive. They also raised any traces of Siteka settlements to the ground. And they wanted to, like, erase them from history. Right, except for this story, right? And ordinarily, this story would just stay that, a story, startling, fascinating, ultimately unprovable. I mean, 10-foot cannibals, right? Come on. I like it. I like it as a story. For sure. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But wouldn't they have left some traces? Where's the proof? Here's the thing. What if someone else found the cave? We'll answer that question after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
when you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Here's where it gets crazy. So back in 1911, a few people did think that they discovered the actual resting place of the CTK um, in western Nevada. On the outskirts of the Humboldt Sink uh, is this small cave. It's hot and it's dry and it's isolated, but it wasn't always that way. Right. This was once part of an enormous lake called Lake Lahontan. It's a Pleistocene era lake uh, that was around maybe 13,000 years ago. And at the time, it was one of the largest lakes on this continent, but it eventually dried up and it left a number of smaller lakes. Among these was Humboldt Lake. And this cave was on the shore or is on the shore of this lake. Today, as you're listening to this episode, you can reach the cave yourself. You just drive down a dirt road from the small town of nearby Lovelock, Nevada. This cave takes its name from the town, and most people today also call it Lovelock Cave. It has a couple of other names, but Lovelock is its go-to moniker. In 1911, there was a pair of uh, guano miners from the town of Lovelock who were, were hunting guano deposits, which was quite a profitable thing to sell at the time. They discovered that the cave, as a result of being sealed off to a great extent, had accumulated a huge population of bats, which leads to, over time, vast deposits of guano. So they spent a year digging out this guano and shipping it to a buyer in San Francisco. And at first, they were, they were thinking, wow, we've struck it rich. There's this huge pile of guano. But as they started to dig the stuff out, they found uh, more and more 
ancient artifacts that were mixed in the bat poop. And eventually, you know, most of the time when they were doing – when they were mining this stuff, they would just find like a shard of pottery or a sandal or something, just throw it outside the cave in a little pile of rubbish. But they got to the point where there were, they were finding more artifacts than they were finding guano. And it became less profitable. So in 1912, they said, you know, what are we doing? This is – we've gone like a meter or so down into the ground and there's more stuff from this unknown ancient civilization than there is bat poop. And let's be honest, dude, we're here for the poop. So let's get some professional help. And they contacted the University of California. The university sent an anthropologist named Llewellyn L. Loud. I thought you'd like that name. I love the name <laughs> Llewellyn. Did you know that about me? I know a lot. And Loud just paired that. That's first of all uh, ticks all my alliteration boxes. Mm-hmm. You've got Llewellyn L. Loud. Loud is an amazing last name. Yeah, Llewellyn is a, is a man's name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that the name of the dude in uh, No Country for Old Men? Davis. Um, that's Lewin Davis. I think his name was Llewellyn, the main dude in uh, uh, No Country for Old Men. I think his name was Llewellyn. Interesting. I think you might be right. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw that, but that's a great, great film. Great film. So they send this guy, this anthropologist, Dr. Loud, also a great nickname, to check it out. And what, what does he end up finding? We found a lot of things, about 10,000 uh, individual artifacts um, from that rubbish heap in different parts of the caves. It was mostly along the walls where miners had kind of ignored and not cut into. Um, and Loud's workload was such that it took him like 17 years before he was finally able to publish an account of all of these findings. Yeah. And, you know, it may sound like it took him forever, but this was a Herculean task. What we now know is that the earliest evidence of human habitation in this cave goes back about 4,000 years, and that's according to the radiocarbon dating of the oldest artifacts. Today's anthropologists call these people, whomever they may have been, the Lovelock culture, and the time in which they lived was referred to as the Lovelock period. It lasted 3,000 years, during which they left us all these artifacts that you mentioned, Noel. We're talking about baskets crafted with a, a pretty impressive degree of sophistication, these ancient duck decoys made from fibers of that same plant, tool, and sagebrush, sandals, and so on. They think the cave was uh, experiencing its heyday somewhere between 1500 BCE until 440 when a collapse cut off the easiest access to most of the cave. And by the time that collapse had occurred, this group we call the Lovelock culture had been supplanted by the Paiute. And the Paiute's name for these predecessors was Saidaku, literally translated to tool mat house dwellers. Nice. They lived in those – they lived in huts made of that stuff. I love a good literal descriptive translation like that. A lot of the the names that they have for different bands or communities are descriptions of what they eat. Like the fish eaters, Mm -hmm. there's the – the brine fly eaters, which Ew. I don't know what that is. They sound like they were living the roughest life. Yeah, it does sound like it. Brine flies. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so the Paiute, once they take over this cave, they continue using it until 1829 when Europeans and European-descended people begin populating the region and they are all killed off 
or driven away, the Paiute that is, in 1833 when an expedition led by a guy named Joseph Walker explores the area. So there is a real cave, Mm -hmm. uh, and this civilization, or a civilization, Mm -hmm. existed in the area before the Paiute. Mm -hmm. Um, But how does the rest of the story check out, like the the whole, you know, uh, red-headed cannibalistic giant sitch? That's the thing. Yeah, there are a few issues. The first and the biggest issue is that according to more skeptical researchers like Brian Dunning over at Skeptoid, there is no actual Paiute story about this group. There are, he notes, stories about lone giants that pop up, but there's nothing actually about some group of people called the Siteka. However, there is one account from 1883 by an author named Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins. She's the daughter of a Paiute chief named Winnemucca, and in her book, Life Among the Paiutes, Wrongs and Claims, she tells a story. We have an extensive excerpt of this, so I'll, I'll just paraphrase it here. She tells a story of a um, – among the traditions of our people is one of a small tribe of barbarians who used to live along the Humboldt River. This is many hundreds of years ago, she says. They used to waylay my people and kill them and eat them, and they would – even eat their own dead. They would come and dig up our dead after they were buried, carry them off and eat them. And now and then they would come and make war on my people. They would fight, and as fast as they killed one another on either side, the women from their tribe would carry off the dead to consume them. So at last, the Paiute make war on them. Uh, there were about 2,600 of these Siteka, and the war lasted three years. And then Hopkins goes on to say, We did kill them in great numbers. We saw that they fled to the bush. We set the bush on fire. Then they tried to make boats to live on the lake or rafts to live on the lake. And her people would ring around the lake and would kill anyone who came on land. And then finally they all managed to get to land on the east side of the lake. They went to a cave and then they got cornered and the Paiute, according to Hopkins again, came to them and said, look, will you be cool? Will you not eat people like coyotes or beasts or scavengers? Please? Right. That'd be super swell. And they said, no, we're not going to give it up. This is what we do. And then— Well, once you get a taste for human meat, Ben, we all know that you can't go back. Yeah. Always Sunny Philadelphia talks about it. That's what the Wedigo legend's about. But apparently they, they started to gather wood— to fill up the mouth of the cave, and then they came back to the Setaka and gave them one more chance. They said, will you give up and be like men and not eat people like beasts? Say it quickly and we will put out this fire. But they had either refused to talk to them or they had gone too deep in the cavern to hear people talking at the entrance. So no answer came and the fire burned. And... In 10 days, some people went back to see if the fire had gone out. They said they must all be dead. There was a horrible smell. This tribe was called People Eaters. And after that— Were they— What's the thing? The one-eyed, three-toed, flying purple Purple People people Eaters? eaters. Yeah. One-eyed, one-horned? One-horned. That's That's the one. Yeah. They called them People Eaters. And they say, according to Hopkins, that the tribe they exterminated— had reddish hair, and she said that she has some of this hair. It's been passed down from father to son, but she has it in a dress, a dress that is ringed with red hair that was a mourning dress. Uh, 
but no, the trail goes dead there. We don't know. There's no picture of the dress. We don't know if anyone's seen it. And that's not the only issue with the story. No, it's definitely not. And we will get to some more of those holes after one more quick sponsor break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So first, as often happens with stories like this, there there are no actual giant humanoid bones available for viewing today, which I find to be a, a shame. Um, according to one of the miners, the best specimens were taken by a local fraternal order. <coughs> Masons. Yeah, that's right. Um, who boiled them clean to use in an, uh, <coughs> Masonic initiation rituals. Right, right. Uh, and, and according to the reports of what 
Dr. Loud actually found, there were 60 mummies that were unearthed, but they were of average height, uh, some of the world's oldest duck decoys. One of the big things he found was a sandal that was over 15 inches long. So someone with really, really big feet, right? Uh, they found donut-shaped stone with 365 notches carved along the outside, 52 carved inside. Some people think that's a calendar. Uh, they also found a human femur dating back to four, 1450 B.C., human muscle dating to 1420 B.C., and basketry dating back to 1218. They found a bunch of stuff. And during the initial excavations, there were these reports of mummified remains being found of two red-haired giants. One they said was a female skeleton, six and a half feet tall, and the other was a male over eight feet tall. However, not only is, as you said, Noel, not only is there no evidence we can find about this today, physical evidence at least, but no one mentions giants in those original tales or the original discoveries or even Hopkins' recollection. Because again, she, she tells that story that sounds pretty familiar to us, but she calls them barbarians and cannibals, not giants. The first mention of giants doesn't occur until a 1931 newspaper article, not some ancient legend. And then there are some other authors who say it's possible that because of the um, because of the amount of large megafauna fossils that could be around that area, they could have just found the the bone of a a larger ancient animal and thought this is the leg of a giant person. Yeah, I mean a femur bone doesn't look that different between like say some sort of giant cat and a and a human. Right, exactly, exactly. But then we get to the question of the hair cuz the red hair thing seems to be pretty consistent. Is and, it a red herring? <laughs> it's you know what? It is. It exactly is, and that's a great way to put it. So naturally dark hair over time has a tendency to fade to red in certain conditions. And that's part of the reason why you will see so many stories of red-haired mummies being found in ancient burial grounds around the world. It's because the uh, the amount of time that they are interred can affect the rate of decay or appearance of the color of their hair. So they very well may be red-haired now, but most of the red-haired mummies you hear about originally had very dark hair. So is it about like um, getting bleached and discolored by exposure to the sun or are there other uh, factors at play? Yeah, it, it appears to be a chemical reaction as the hair denatures. This means that exposure to certain temperatures or certain chemicals present in soil – uh, can change the chemical composition of the hair and change the way at which it would decay. I see. So it removes some of that pigment or it alters it. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing, but the, the key element here is that these people don't start off with red hair, which is relatively rare throughout our species, right? I guess you and I both have a little bit of red hair. Matt probably has the most of us. I only have a little bit. It's in my beard. And mm. the parts that used to be red are now turning gray. So I guess they're becoming denatured themselves. <laughs> there we in go. In a different yeah. way. I don't know. In a different way, right? Uh, so there you have it. 
Today, many of those original artifacts found at the Lovelock Cave can be viewed at a small natural history museum located in Winnemucca, Nevada. And then some of the other objects are at the Smithsonian, like those ancient duck decoys and the basketry and bones are in the Nevada State Museum. One thing you will not find in any museum, at least that we have been able to, uh, as far as we've been able to ascertain, are any trace of giant humans or a race of giant humans, a tribe, a species, a community, or band of giant humans. But we do have one more thing. We had to save it for last. You see, the myth of the Siteka is not completely busted. Miners and archaeologists did find something else in Lovelock Cave. Human bones that had been split to allow for the extraction of marrow. Human bones that had been processed the same way the bones of an animal would have been processed. They may not have been giants, whomever lived here in this Lovelock culture, but these people did, it turns out, practice cannibalism. At the very least, in times of famine, and who knows, Noel, perhaps it was a situation where at first they ate human flesh because they had to, and then later they developed a taste for it. Either way, at least according to one source, uh, Sarah Hopkins, the Paiute objected and drove them to extinction. It's definitely a fascinating legend. I I I'm I'm I, I love the idea of giants as I know you do Ben. It's something that um, I think you're fond of in fiction and this idea of some sort of proto man that roamed the earth that was mm-hmm. that were, were some kind of you know species of giant. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's true that giganticism does occur in. Uh, and the human species throughout uh, throughout the world as a result of genetic mutation. It's also true that some parts of the – in some regions of the world, people on average will tend to be much taller. I think uh, the Netherlands or somewhere in northern Europe, that's the place where people on average are the tallest. And the Philippines, I believe, is where people on average are the shortest. Uh, but – Again, those averages can be deceiving. There are also some fascinating reports from early Spanish explorers in South America who swear up and down that they've met first or second hand actual giants, like people so large that an average person of, let's say, uh, 5'10 to 6 feet tall would have only come up to their waist. What's the cutoff here though? Because Andre the Giant was, I want to say, 7-something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we had some stats talking about the couple that was found um, supposedly in this story uh, where the female was only 6.5 feet tall and the male was like 8-something, yeah. Yeah. which isn't super giant. That's a little taller than Andre, but it's mm-hmm. not you know so tall that an average height man would be like knee-high to a bed bug's eye. Exactly. And also, if they were giants, how how did this war go on for three years and how were the Siteka always on the run? It sounds like maybe they were if, – if, if there is truth to – again, the only primary source we have for this is Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins. Uh, if, if they existed, they were probably just practicing objectionable cannibalism. So for now, as today's episode ends, we can say with confidence only that the tallest 
record the tallest person in recorded history is Robert Wadlow at eight feet eleven inches tall, and he was not a fierce warrior. He suffered from a medical condition that made it incredibly painful for him to walk around. At least for now, because, you know, there are people out there who believe that various museums and secret institutions have been suppressing knowledge of giants since time immemorial. And uh, this is not the first time we've investigated historical tales of lost civilizations or giants. Perhaps we will find some proof in another in, in another episode. I would love that, Ben. I would love that too, Noel. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we hope you enjoyed this exploration of the Siteka. Let us know what other um, what other legends you've heard in your neck of the global woods that later came to have some sort of seed of truth. We are all ears. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook where we are Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Um, you can join our pretty cool Facebook group, discussion group, um, called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. All you have to do is name one of our names. <laughs> we set the bar pretty well. Surely low. you can do that if you are familiar mm-hmm. with the show. We say it at the top of every episode. I'll tell you, I don't know if we mentioned this on air, but sometimes um, I, I think our, our mods might get a little irritated with me because sometimes if the answer is funny enough, I'll just – let someone in. Well, that's that. I mean, I, I I applaud any amount of creativity when it comes to this. And if there is something that you put down that makes us unequivocally know that you're into the show, then we're gonna we're gonna let you in. <laughs> that's true. It's that's not true. about us. It's about you. There we go. And speaking of you, if you want to call us directly, we have a number just for you. Dial us up at one eight three three S T D W Y T K and. If you like the idea of contacting us, you have a great suggestion. Your fellow conspiracy realist will love, but you hate social media. We get it. You're scared of phones. We get it. You can email us directly. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.